Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Matthew Stibber about the best way for a tech company to demonstrate thought leadership. Matthew Stibber, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be here, John. Thanks for having me. It is great to be with you. You are joining me from Romania. You're you're typically in the UK, but you're in Romania. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about that here in a little bit. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you, though. And I'm joining you from Salt Lake City, so there's a wee bit of a time difference uh, between the two of us today. Morning for me, evening for you. Today, we're going to be talking about the best way for tech companies to demonstrate thought leadership. That'll be our main topic, but we will probably um, go into some other uh, adjacent areas as well. So I think this will be a fun conversation. As we get started, I wanted to share Matthew's bio with everybody. Matthew is a serial entrepreneur, marketing maven, writer, pilot, and wine enthusiast, but not necessarily in that order. He created marketing strategies, content, and campaigns for clients, including Microsoft, Google, LinkedIn, and HP, and contributed to Wired, Forbes, and Popular Science. Currently, he is the CEO of Articulate Marketing, a UK marketing agency specializing in the technology sector. Also, his geek credentials are strong. Previously, he was founder and CEO at Intelligent Games, a 70-person computer games company, where he designed games for Lego and produced two games based on Dune. What a fascinating background. Uh, And we could talk all day about uh, a lot of different things, I think. But uh, before we dive on into the topic for today, anything you would like to share with listeners about your background or personal context? I'll tell you something that's been happening today. The last two weeks, we've all been working at my agency, Articulate Marketing, on appraisals, annual appraisals. And today we had the calibration meeting. So, you know, if you're talking about HR human capital and HR innovations, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the burn. I'm feeling the pain right now. I'm going through all the hard work of that. Um, so I don't know if that, that's not a big thing about my background, but it's something that's happening to me right now. Well, yeah, that's interesting. And actually, when we were talking in the pre-interview, <laughs> you specifically brought that up and, and mentioned how you've been working on that all day. And, you know, we, we could dive into performance management and, and performance appraisals and annual reviews and those sorts of things. Uh, it's interesting. And I'd love to get your take on it at some point, um, just in terms of, of the, the process of doing that. 
there's a lot of research that shows annual reviews are actually quite ineffective and pretty much everyone hates them uh, from the like nobody employer. Nobody on their deathbed said, I wish I'd done more performance appraisals in my life. Yeah, yeah. Performance um, uh, on the employer side and the employee side, they're, they're often not seen as all that useful or helpful. Um, so I don't know. It, it, you don't have to dive into that. Obviously, you've been dealing with it. You're in the middle of it right now. And um, you, but... you had given me such a nice introduction. I didn't think I had anything particularly <laughs> to add to, to the description of my life. But um, I, I, I think I think the state of the art is moving on with with performance appraisals. I, I, the, the challenge for us is as we're growing as a business from being you know five, ten, fifteen people and a sort of how can I put it, entrepreneurially, and shall I say, very charismatically led by me as a solo sort of entrepreneur. And we're moving from that model into a kind of professional management, team structures, management, collegiate, uh, we would say in the UK cabinet model of leadership and management. You know, this, these sorts of formalities become more important. Um, and what I think we're trying to do is just get a baseline of where everybody's at and put something in place so that we can then get into a, a, a more a cadence of monthly semi-formal one-to-ones and development plans and things. But I, 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 think, I think it was Churchill who said of democracy that it's the worst form of government apart from all the others. <laughs> and I think, you know, the annual appraisal, I, I know the HR community has sort of got better opinions, but you know it's it's it it it, it seems to me a reasonable starting point. I won't say it's the worst form of, of of managing people, but it's probably not the best either. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's a good point. And and if you're starting off and trying to get something in place, and like you said, to create a baseline, <clears throat> I think I think it it can be perfectly appropriate for that. But hopefully, like you mentioned, you, uh, you can get to the point where you have you know, a combination of formal and informal uh, approaches to coaching, mentoring, and performance management that's ongoing uh, and not just once a year. And that will serve you and your your leadership team and the people in your organization well, I think, moving forward. Well, that's not the main topic for today, but I, I just thought, you know, since, since you brought it up, that's, that's a really interesting one. Um, but you're in the tech space. You, you have a really interesting background, um, you know, at a gaming company, uh, in marketing, uh, like you said, you're you're a serial entrepreneur, um, and one of the things I know in preparation for this interview today, you were interested in exploring how tech companies can demonstrate thought leadership, and, and that was interesting to me. So I, I would like to start with just an explanation of why do you think it's important. I guess the the premise behind the question uh, is that it's actually important in the first place for tech companies to to demonstrate thought leadership. And then if we accept that premise, then we have to start figuring out how to do it. So why do you think it's important for companies to demonstrate thought leadership? I think thought leadership is important because it is a very powerful way for tech companies to differentiate themselves. Okay. So um, I spend a lot of time talking to marketing people in tech companies from multinationals like Microsoft and, and Dell Technologies, who are clients of ours, down to two, three-person startups. They are all very interested in their own technology, right? They're all experts in the thing that they are building, making, doing, selling. They really think that that's the bee's knees. Very often, 
tech people think that if they can only tell you about the features and product services of the, the thing that they sell, and you could just understand how cool it was, you would automatically buy it. Well, that doesn't really work. Uh, 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 the secret of selling technology is not really to talk about technology. Um, the secret is to talk about what you can do with it. The secret is to talk to, to engage on some sort of emotional and intellectual, but mostly a bit of an emotional level with audiences, buyers, about their problems, their needs, their issues in their language, right? And that's how you earn the, the trust, the permission, the engagement to start talking about your thing in your language and move towards a, a, a sale. Okay, so if you, if you start with that premise, talking to potential customers about their issues in their language, how do you do that? Because now off, you've taken off the table talking about how cool you are and how clever your technology is. Not completely, but you've got to build some trust and engagement. And at that point, you start having conversations about things like blogging and SEO and advertising. And depending on you know, different markets, you might be doing PR and you might be doing events. And you might, there's lots of marketing avenues. But what do you put out in them? We see an awful lot of me too, blah, blah noise in the marketplace of ideas, right? Everyone's got a blog about remote working. Everyone's got a blog about, you know, blah, 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 blah. So thought leadership is, if you do it right, <coughs> is a way to talk about something interesting where you have a genuine opinion, something novel or useful or engaging based on your expertise, your experience, the thing that kind of helps you develop the thing you're selling. And to try to use that to build a relationship, a bridge, a connection with the person that you're you know, hoping that that audience. Um, so the, 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 the magic in sort of, recipe for this is something you are genuinely able to you know, offer something new, interesting, engaging, something that the audience is interested in, that is in a, a field related to what you sell, but isn't about what you sell. So there's quite a lot of things that have got to happen there. Um, and most of the time we see people not really talking, not really offering anything interesting, engaging, useful. It tends to be just waffle words. So um, that that's the premise. That's my argument yeah. for why you should be doing it and how it fits into the marketing story. It's about engaging people early in their decision making and building trust and talking about their issues in their language. Yeah, I really like that, and that resonates with me. I'm not, you know I I'm a consumer of tech, but I'm not a tech guy, right? Uh, I I've never been um, a, lead, a leader in a tech company. I've never created some new innovative tech, anything like that. Um, but I, so I can appreciate innovation. I can appreciate cool new um, features and, and things like that and user experience. I can appreciate all those things. But ultimately, if I'm going to pull the trigger to try something, it, it almost never happens because someone talked me through all the cool stuff it can do. It, it, it's almost always because I have some sort of pain point I'm frustrated. I'm not sure what to do about it. And then all of a sudden I find a solution that's going to help me make my day easier. Um, and, and it may not even be the best solution that's out there, but it's the one that's in front of me that I recognize and I can start 
to, to use at, you know, at a price point that makes sense for me. Uh, and that's when I'm going to start adopting it. And so, like you said, finding avenues to get in front of people who are experiencing those pain points, having a story to tell that's relatable uh, and not getting lost in the weeds of all the technical um, specifications and those sorts of things. Uh, I think, I think for most people, that's probably what's going to be most effective. And it, it's, you know, I'm in the HR space, I, people management, organizational leadership, I can get super technical on all the HR stuff. And I can tell you like, you know, how, how, how should you go about doing XYZ, you know, things to avoid things to do, blah, blah, blah. I can do all of that. That's not particularly interesting to most people. And most people are going to completely tune out if that's how I start a conversation. But everyone has had bad boss. Everyone has had a toxic culture that they were a part of. Everyone has been disempowered or micromanaged. So you start there and then you can start to drill in uh, once you make that connection to what you know people are really experiencing and how to resolve that issue you know, where they sit right now. Well, and, and Jason Freed, who runs Basecamp, is one, an absolute poster child for thought leadership, right? writes New York Times best-selling books about management and things. Um, but two, he said there's a huge difference between this is what our technology does and this is what you can do with our technology, right? And in the HR space, to take my pain point at the moment, I'm not sure I want somebody to sell me software to make one-to-ones better or appraisals better. I'm not sure I want, what I want is all my staff engaged, happy, motivated, hardworking, and knowing how to improve, right? That's, that's, that's an interesting thing. So I'm very interested in, you know, I, I probably would read an article on Harvard Business Review about, you know, 10 things that are wrong with appraisals, but I'm probably much more interested in reading, <laughs> you know, here's how to motivate and engage and empower your staff, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good. And and so again, when we're talking about how to craft thought leadership, you, you brought up a couple important points you know, things to avoid. Uh, the milbatose kind of just garbage that you see over and over again, it might've been useful at one point, but after the thousandth, the thousandth article that someone has written on remote work or hybrid work, you're like, is there really anything new there? It's, there's nothing to engage you or to capture you. Uh, maybe if you have a unique perspective, a unique story to tell in relation to hybrid work or remote work, maybe you can get there, but, but just, um, you know, spilling on the exact same thing that a thousand other people have already talked about, that's not really going to position you at all. And it's not going to, uh, to give you an opportunity to get in front of new people. Um, and, And so, so how do you go about identifying those things, you know, that, that are adjacent to your expertise, so you have something meaningful to say about it, um, but also isn't so overdone, that it's just going to be white noise? I think the first thing that if you want to have uh, thought leadership, you need to have a few thoughts. <laughs> so um, the, the, the exercise of expressing yourself, I think, is, is a really good starting point. So, you know, writing something, a tweet a day or a LinkedIn message a day or, a, you know, I, I started writing a blog post a day years and years ago, back in 2006. That exercise of getting your thoughts out and sharing them. Is, is actually quite important. Now I think doing podcasts or webinars or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying being on, thank you very much on people's podcasts because it gives me a chance to th- think through my thinking out loud. Um, second thing, 
leadership requires not only being a little bit different and not just repeating what other people are talking about, but having something, um, if you can, that is interesting. It doesn't have to be unique, unique, unique in the world, but you've actually pushed it forward a little bit. And I think the greatest enemy for that pushing forward is not so much that people don't know what they want to talk about, um, don't have expertise. Most people who are, you know, good at their work will have something interesting to say. What the, the enemy of it is actually what I call the round pebble syndrome, which is being afraid of offending anyone or being afraid of saying anything that might be controversial or having an opinion. So I think there is a very close relationship between thought leadership and opinions. I, it's not only about opinions, but I think you have to kind of stake a claim. You have to go, you know, I believe this, and so I, I think I think an exercise of working through what you believe, what you hold strongly to be important, and certainly Jason Fried as my uh, role model for thought leadership. You know, he has some very strong opinions about how he wants to run his business, and you know, he doesn't want to take venture capital, and you know, his attitude towards people, and so on and so on and so on. He has a very interesting recruitment model, uh, for example. Um, so you know, finding that and then not being afraid to be strongly opinionated about it. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. I also, I think there's some value in creating your own channel or platform and whether it's a, a you know, social media feed, whether it's, I, I think personally, I'm in favor of this because I'm a writer. I, th I think a blog is quite nice, but perhaps slightly different from your kind of company blog. Maybe it's separate, um, but related. I don't know. So I, I, I think it's in, in, in summary, um, rehearse your opinions and, and research them and think think hard 
don't be a rounded pebble and be afraid of upsetting people and then find your platform. Uh, perhaps this is all obvious, uh, but. No, I think I think that's good. If we can pause there for a minute, just a, a comment. Um, yeah, we, we absolutely need to have enough courage to say what we think. Um, now, you know, should we try to be understanding and sensitive to to people with different opinions than us? Sure. And we don't want to say anything that's racist or bigoted or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, think, things like that. Offensive. Nothing offensive like that. But but people, intelligent people can look at the same data and come to different conclusions. And so it's okay to disagree with other pundits for with other thought leaders. And, and it's okay to stand your ground. It's okay. Like you have, you, you know, maybe you have academic credentials and expertise that way. Maybe you have your, your lived experience and your, your thought leadership, um, regardless of what your expertise looks like and what your, your basis for your, your thought can leadership I just, you, is. You said academic. Can I just say yeah. the, the worst people for thought leadership are academics <laughs> because they, they're, they're mu- no, academics, unfound academic people with academic backgrounds who want to write that, you know, a version of their PhD thesis for their yeah. blog, that, that they are so far down in the weeds of, 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 of the, the, the technology of the thing that got them right. where they are they're much more interested in their expertise than kind of sharing their thoughts. The, the best example, well, it's not the best example of thought leadership, but the most extraordinary experience I had with this was talking to um, Franklin Chang Diaz, who's a five-time astronaut, and now he runs a rocket company. So he's a rocket scientist and an astronaut. And he was explaining to me for an article I was writing for um, Popular Science or somebody about ion engines. And, and he managed to find a way of ex- communicating this incredibly complex stuff to me in a language I could understand and it wasn't dumbing well it was dumbed down because man's a genius but it it, it was it was just calibrating the message and I think that whereas I think if an academic would be like wanting to talk about orbital velocities and sort of you know fusion reactions and it would lose me so there's also a little bit of understanding your audience in this so i yeah, absolutely no absolutely so and and in this case in your your astronaut example uh, i don't know about him but most astronauts usually have a couple phds um they're they're very intelligent so clearly he had this this academic background as well as his practical experience and he translated he was able to translate right and i think that's that's what to your point many academics just aren't good at that they're they're not very good at the translation process making something you know that may may be you know foundational within the science within their specific in their you know their disciplinary field um, but they need to be able to get it to the end of the road to be able to help people understand why this is relevant to them, why it's going to be useful to them. And it comes back to what we started the conversation with. If you, if you have a tech person just trying to tell you all the specifications and why their product is so cool, that's not really going to do a lot. And it's the same thing. If I get so mired in, in the, the academic research that I'm doing, that all I'm, all I'm talking about are the, the esoteric, you know, aspects of theory or of statistical uh, analyses or whatever, it's going to be lost on most people. Um, and, and you're just not going to be very effective. So, so whatever the, whatever the form of expertise you have, um, you know, own that expertise, but then look for ways to talk to the audience that you have in front of you, like you mentioned, um, so that it can be meaningful to them. And, and we all have expertise in one way or another, and, and maybe it, it has nothing to do with traditional academic training. Maybe it's just, 
your, your, your work experience. Maybe you've spent 20, 30 years in industry. You've seen it all. You, you've worked with customers. You have experience. You have expertise. That's valuable. And you can have something to say. So be willing to say it. Be willing to stand up for your position. You don't have to agree with everybody. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe you'll contradict what, you know, other, you know, really influential thought leaders say. That's okay. Uh, you know, always be learning and always be trying to calibrate your own understanding. That's, that's good. But, but don't be afraid to say what you think either. So I agree with the piece about having an opinion. Uh, and I absolutely agree with your point about just making sure that you're doing something daily, be consistent, get into the practice of just sharing your thoughts. And there are so many avenues to do that now. I mean, you could literally take a minute and do a TikTok a day. Uh, if you want to get really, really small chunks, you could, you know, do something like a podcast, you can write a blog, you can, you can write, there's lots of outlets um, where you can put practitioner oriented content out in established um, uh, publications. There, there's so many opportunities. Is a, yeah, is exactly. Thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn has so many options. You can post articles, start a LinkedIn newsletter, right? There's, there's so many different things you can do. And so yeah. I, I would say just, you know, take some time to think about what's important to you, what drives you in your work. Uh, what are your pain points? Because chances are, if you're experiencing pain points, Many others are experiencing the exact same thing. What have you learned from your experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the good, you know, the, the really positive, the really negative, uh, and then find a compelling way to, to talk about that. And if that seems overwhelming to you, start small, start simple, right? Start with just a little tidbit daily. And, and what ends up happening as this has been something I've tried to do, as I just, I, I start to get into the flow of just doing something consistently, it just gets easier and easier. It gets easier to, to share uh, my thinking. If it's on a podcast to think out loud, you know, like we're talking right now, I haven't prepared any of these remarks. We're just having a dialogue and, and I'm just spewing whatever comes to the top of my head. And hopefully I don't sound like a complete idiot, but you know, the more I do it, the more I, I get comfortable with it. The more I write, the more I get comfortable with it. And I, I find my voice and I am able to do it in a, in a way that hopefully is somewhat intelligible uh, and, and impactful, right? If you want to be a writer, write something. This is the key thing. And that probably is my, my last sort of big point about becoming a thought leader. Don't wait until you've got some big idea that you want to share. Um, as, as you said, everyone's got some expertise and it doesn't come out of a university automatically. So, you know, there's the, the, the get started today. Yes. Excellent. Matthew, this has just been a real pleasure. I note the time. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. Before we wrap up for today, though, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Okay. Um, so, Anyone who's interested in our marketing work, um, our website is www.articulatemarketing.com. Um, and I blog, my, my alleged thought leadership lives at geekboss.com. Um, and um, if anyone's got any ideas about how to make um, uh, appraisals more exciting and to run them remotely from Romania, um, I'd love to hear it. Wonderful. Thank you, Matthew. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Matthew and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. 
check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.